This is an interview I did with Brian Clayton, who is an entrepreneur and the founder of GreenPal. This is an online service that is being billed as the Uber of lawn care. You're going to see in this interview, it's super interesting. He goes into his background a little bit. I start to learn about him. And as we go on, we get into the platform that he has built. And I'm a little bit skeptical about it, but you're going to see towards the end that things change. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview. I hope you'll learn a little something, and then I'll give you some final thoughts in the end. So with that, let's go and interview, or let's go and hear my interview with Brian Clayton of GreenPal. All right. Brian, welcome, man. Let's get into, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you. I love talking to uh, entrepreneurs, people building things in the green space for the green industry. Um, but before we get into the software you've built here and your app and all that, tell us a little bit about your background and how you became uh, you know, familiar with the green industry. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. So I, I have been in the green industry, I guess, all my life. Twenty, I've, I've been working in it 23 years. I'm 43 now. Uh, I, I started mowing yards in high school as a way to make extra cash. I was actually forced into the business by my dad. He got he got uh, he got tired of watching me play Nintendo all day, and he said, "Hey, get off your ass! I got a I got a gig for you. You're gonna go mow the neighbor's yard." Mm-hmm. Made me go mow the neighbor's yard, and and after that, I was hooked on entrepreneurship, hooked on business ownership, and uh, and I just stuck with that lawn mowing business that first summer, and got like ten customers, and kept with it all through high school, all through college, um, and then when I graduated college. I had to make a decision was, I, you know, I didn't really want to be a lawn guy my whole life, but I thought, ah, you know, maybe this is my lane, you know, and I kind of had a chip on my shoulder and I thought maybe I can build a big landscaping business and I made a little business plan with what little I learned in business school and, and over a 15 year period of time ended up building it into a, a real company, uh, ultimately around 150 employees, uh, ended up getting over 10 million a year in sales. And uh, in 2013, that was acquired by a national company. So, oh, you know, nice. building building that co- little lawn mowing business, just me and a push mower to ultimately 90 crews going out every day was quite a journey. Did a lot of things wrong, learned, made a lot of mistakes, um, but uh, but just through trial and error, figured out how to how to do it. And then and then after that, uh, started over. Took about a year off, so I kind of retired, um, and then got bored, and I thought, well. Uh, what am I going to do with my life now? And I, I thought somebody's going to build an app that is the Uber of lawn care. Why not? Why not uh, it be me? And uh, it was kind of naivete as an asset. Didn't know how hard that was going to be, but put a team together and been working on uh, that idea and and built GreenPal, which has now been a ten year overnight success. Now GreenPal is nationwide in the United States. Uh, Three hundred thousand people using the app to get lawn mowing services. So I want to get into that for sure, because I love tech, um, especially when tech is applied to this industry, because we're one of the last industries to get disrupted, as far as I can see. Now, I deal with, with DIYers, and we get disrupted in a different way. Um, but definitely, um, I see what you're doing as a disruption, and I want to talk a little bit about that on both sides. But before we get there, you went to college. What did you study, and where'd you go? So I went to Middle Tennessee State University, which is a state school in in, in Tennessee. Actually, it's the biggest university in the state of Tennessee. Uh, and I uh, studied business. And so went at night, took me a little, me about six years to, to get it done. And, and I didn't really, didn't really want to see that through, but my mom was a professor and, and, uh, and so I kind of, I didn't want to let her down. And, and I and, and as it turns out, I didn't really learn a whole lot in college that applied to the business world. Matter of fact, it was kind of funny. Uh, I remember being in business classes, being in marketing classes, 
while I was running a small business, and I, and there was this there was this disjoint disjointed like uh, paradox in my head where it was like, this is not actually how business is marketed. This is not actually how business is are are grown, and and it was a weird thing uh, doing that at the same time. By the time I graduated school, I had like ten employees, so I was running a decent sized little business. So it's kind of funny, but you know, I'm glad I got it done. But uh, you know, my advice is most most entrepreneurs don't need to go to a traditional, you know, four year college. Yeah, I was wondering what you thought about that. That's kind of where I was going. It reminds me of uh, if you've ever seen the movie Cocktail. Tom Cruise is sitting in a class and he's taking business classes while at night he's slinging bar, right? And he's writing his business plan and his professor doesn't like his business plan and he says, "Hey, man, you've never even done this. You just hide out here at this school." And I've I didn't go to college, so I've always thought of it the same way. Like these people teaching, especially when you get into uh, marketing and such in the, in the internet, most of the professors are so old, they've never done marketing on the that's internet. Right. I always wonder how do you know, how do you know to teach that? But <laughs> that's right. You can learn more, uh, on, uh, you know, through YouTube university, uh, th- than you can, you know, actual practical tactical knowledge. Now, if you're going to, you know, I don't have kids, but if I did, um, I guess my advice would be if 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 you're going to take those four years from 18 to 23 or or, or 25 and not do anything, then yeah, go to college. But if not, right. you know, let's make a plan. Let's get a business going, and and you'll be off and going, and, and your contemporaries will never catch you. And uh, so that's that's the way I, I experienced it. Um, yeah. And 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 uh, it's funny now in the tech world. Um, they have these things called hackathons where 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 they'll get like a uh, a founding team together and two coders and and in a weekend you got to put together a, a a business an idea build an app and get like 10 customers you'll learn mm-hmm. more about business and, and and tech startups in a weekend than you will in four years of business school it's kind of yeah, funny especially how to work with developers because they're such that's, a different breed that's and right. uh i mean in a good way but yeah if you don't know how to work with engineers and things like that it can be a challenge in today's world um, exactly Back to you built a business. So when you did build your $10 million in revenue business, was that all maintenance or did you do construction, landscaping? What was like the main kind of um, balance that you had for revenue? Yeah, as time, you know, it fluctuated as as the years went by. Uh, it was at least at all times half maintenance. Um, during the boom, the construction boom in, in 05, 06, and 07 in Tennessee, you know, it, it probably 30, 40% of it might have been uh, install. Um, but then 2008 happened and it was like somebody took a, uh, it was, it was like, it, was, it felt like somebody took a water, a water faucet and just turned it off. I mean, everything stopped, all construction stopped every, you know, every new prospect for new business stopped. And so then we had to like rebuild the business from the ground up again, uh, focusing on maintenance and mm-hmm. through doing that, you know, I, I began to, to understand, you know, talk to other people in the industry, you know, going to conferences and stuff that had much bigger businesses than mine and, uh, began to understand that, wow, you know, this guy, you know, sold his business. This person had their business acquired. And I, and began to understand that people that buy businesses in this space are looking for maintenance oriented business. They don't want install oriented recurring revenue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yep. so that was another kind of, thrust to to rebuild the business focused on maintenance and while the margins were were much much uh tighter and uh, uh, uh and much more competitive it 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 was a better recurring revenue to build the business off of and and uh you know ultimately is what what you know it oriented us to be able to get the business sold yeah did you ever get into spray work or was it just all like mow and blow type stuff 
No, we we uh we eventually, you know, we were we subcontracted very little. And so and so yeah, I had to go uh <laughs> actually it's kind of funny. Uh when I was 20 uh 23 years old, I was arrested uh and put in jail for spraying Roundup. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and literally, uh, spent the night in jail and had to go to court because I did not have a license to spray pesticides. And so part wow. of, part of the, part of the, I guess you could say plea agreement to get the charges dropped. I had a pretty good lawyer, uh, was to, I had to go and pass the charter exam, the Tennessee state charter exam. And if, in one try, and if I didn't pass it, then, then all of that went away and, 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 and my business was never going to be able to get a charter and so i studied like hell for for i think i had like three weeks i mean day and night for this exam and man it that charter exam was was harder than any exam i ever took in business school uh any exam i ever took in school in general and i passed by like one point and so i was able to get the business chartered um and which is a big deal in some states it's not some states to have different tiers of this stuff but in the state of tennessee yeah, i don't even know what that is i've never yeah, i don't Florida, yeah, state, yeah. yeah, yeah, state of Tennessee to spray any kind of chemical you have to have a pesticide charter for your company, and then you you know you can. Oh, I see. You're using the word charter. Okay, I call that yeah. license. I got you. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. They, pesticide state, license. Oh, yeah, yeah. State, All states have that. Okay. Yeah, right. But it's, it's state of Tennessee. Uh, most states have a, a tier, uh, a tiered uh, la- uh, uh, tiering for you know uh, Roundup is a very common. Uh, yeah. That's like right local. away versus lawn versus tree shrub versus. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Tennessee didn't have that. It was, it was all or it nothing. All or nothing. I got you. So you that's had right. to pass every single. Okay. That makes exactly. sense. That was not so, easy. So got that done. And, uh, and, and so now the company was licensed to spray any pesticide. So we could, you know, we could have, a f- you know, trucks with 500 gallon tanks. Mm-hmm. And so started getting into that business just a little bit. I didn't want to be like full time, you know, I didn't want to grow the business to to compete with True Green and guys like that, but but I did want to service my own accounts. And so and so, you know, back in those days, we were only like, you know, eight, nine people. So you know, one day a week I would go and 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 spray our stuff. And then and then we slowly built the business to where ultimately we 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 had, you know, two or three techs spraying our own stuff and and uh servicing our own accounts that way and it really didn't make us much money other than we could just control the quality and and control the experience for our customer and give them one one point of contact and one one bill for everything that's interesting so for you it was more of a retention type add-on rather than revenue most guys i talk to it's revenue because the spray business is much more highly profitable than maintenance because you can do it with one guy he's only on a property for 10 minutes you know, whereas with uh, maintenance takes two guys, one's got an edge, one, there's a lot less liability. So either way, I understand it's, it's, that's why I asked if you got into it. Cause most guys get into it. And when I find they get into spring, they actually try to give up their maintenance and go all spray. So looking, looking back and looking at, uh, you know, like I've, I've been out of the, I've been out of the nuts and bolts of, of, of the business for 10 years now, but just looking at what, what like my mom spends with her, with her spray company and how long it takes. And I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. That might have been that, that might have been the business to double down on, but the the thing was uh, for me, um, I I I just liked the maintenance business better. I liked the machinery aspect of it. I didn't like the smell of the chemicals. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I saw so personally, I was gravitated towards one one piece of the business, and I looked at the spraying as as a as an obligation. I also looked at it as a, like a Walmart strategy, like on a, la- a lost leader. 
Um, so, so we, we looked at seasonal color and, and, and spraying almost gave that away, uh, as a, as a competitive advantage to win big contracts, you know, six figure contracts and up, um, you know, we would lose money on certain aspects of the package to, 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 to get it. And, uh, like the irrigation spraying and seasonal color, we, we basically would, would put in at cost or a loss. And that was kind of a, a strategic thing that we did that to win business, um, but looking back, if we had, you know, if I had 150 technicians out there, you know, doing nothing but spray spraying on residential properties, probably probably could have sold a, a bigger business and and had a more profitable more profitable business. Yeah, and I understand if you're talking about larger, you kind of alluded to it, larger HOAs or big yep. uh, commercial accounts. Then yeah, That's I understand right. that the spraying isn't even the most important thing to them. It is the mowing and the mm-hmm. maintenance and the seasonal color rotation. They they're like yeah do a little squirt here and there, but that's they don't right. want weeds. That's about it. So makes sense. That's why I, always, I love talking to different business owners that approach it in a different way. Did you find that, uh, and you said you had ni- about 90, um, 90 routes, about how many customers is that? So we, uh, we, we specialize, I guess in year 10, I sold it in year 15. We specialized in small commercial multi-location. So in okay. in te- in Tennessee, every pretty much every single bank we did within a within a uh, ninety mile radius of Nashville, Tennessee. So every fifth third bank back then, SunTrust Bank, U.S. Bank, you name it, we had all the banks. We Good had contracts. all yeah. we had all the the quick service restaurants. You know, pretty much seventy percent of market share in, in quick service restaurants, and uh, and other multi locations, small small quick. Uh, commercial is what we focused on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to build kind of a competitive mode around that because w- our crews could travel further and we, we could build a, a route with like 20 stops in, 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 in the smaller markets around Nashville, Tennessee that were owned by big conglomerates. And they didn't want to, they didn't want to deal with different vendors and every, right. and every town. They also got burned by companies like, like us maintenance and, and, um, and uh, U- U.S. Lawns is another one that 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 they had bad experiences with, and so they had been burned by these national companies right. that would that would come in and farm it out to the mom and pops. So they didn't want to go that route, but they did want to go with a regional uh, vendor that could do you know seventy, eighty locations in a hundred mile radius, self service them, um, and not subcontract them because because that was something that we were, were competitive on. We were able to get look, we're we're gonna we're gonna service these properties at competitive rates and and give you a consistent experience across them um and so that's what we did that's what we focused on and that was probably 60 percent of the business but then we also mm-hmm. did apartments we also did a lot of hoa we did a lot of um a lot, a lot of industrial but but where we had really good margins and where, where we where we didn't have turnover on on customers was was small commercial multi-location over a big geographical footprint took took 10 years to build that up yeah, to figure and, it out and learn it. Yeah, and and lost money, um, you know, on several routes. You know, like we would, we would send a guy and one guy in a truck to go mow a Pizza Hut that was, you know, an hour and a half away, that paid forty five dollars. You know, and mm-hmm. and so you'd lose money on some, you'd gain money on others, and and kind of had to have a vision of, you know, once we build this to a thousand locations. Um, then, then, uh, then, then it's gonna be hard to compete with us and, and, and we'll have these customers for, for years, not, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, back then, I don't know if it's still this way now, but, uh, but you know, you, 
the, a lot of these property managers would switch vendors every single year. And, and that just sucks because it takes a year for you to make money off of a property. And so, and, and so that I didn't want, I didn't want to compete in, in those types of, 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 of properties. I wanted to build uh, a, a moat around what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you're learning that and it takes you all those years to learn it, then that just means it's going to take someone else to figure it out too. And so that's if right. you're ahead you got the contracts and the relationships, because let's face it at the end of the day, it's a relationship business. It always has been. So yep. you've got that, that part on lock and you're doing a good job. That's awesome. Well, I, I think it's pretty cool that you built that. You learned, like I said, it took you 15 years to dial it into a point where you uh, where you could sell it. And uh, so your next thing, did you move right on to My Green Pal right after that? Was this like, like how'd you get this vision to do this? Where'd it come from Are you that you figured out, this is where I want to go next? Yeah, I sold, so, so got the business sold and that was you know, it was really hard. I, I, it was it took me two years to get the business to a point where somebody would want to buy it, and then and then navigating that process of of different buyers, and then the due diligence period, and, and uh, there's a lot there's a lot of retrading going on at the very end of 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 the process, and by that that you know negotiating on the price literally, mm -hmm. um, and so and so that was like really really stressful, and and after that I just kind of wanted to. I, I I didn't want, really want to do that again. <laughs> I, I I didn't want to work that hard ever again. And and so and and so I had enough from the proceeds from that sale to not have to work anymore. Now I didn't have enough to go live on a yacht in the Caribbean, but I had enough to like not have to worry about you know where my groceries were going to come from that mm. that week. And makes and a big so, difference. Yeah. And so and so now like all my future days were kind of paid for, and 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 I had you know I and and the guy that bought my business. Uh, gave me a, a good piece of advice. He said, uh, you know, we got the deal. He's like, I'll never forget this. He, he, he said, we got the deal done. I didn't think we were going to get it done, but uh, let me give you a little piece of advice. He goes, you're now a millionaire. And the reality was I was a millionaire before that, but I let him have that. He was kind of an arrogant guy, but he goes, you're not, you know, I've now made you a millionaire. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so he, so I let him have that, but, uh, but he goes, I'm going to give you a little piece of advice. Now this guy was worth probably, you know, hundred million dollars. And he said, it's a lot easier to uh, make a million dollars than it is to keep a million dollars. And, and I thought, man, okay, this is good advice. I, I don't really particularly like this guy, but he's, you know, worth nine figures. So I'm going to listen to this and it almost scared me in a little, uh, a little way. And, and so I took the all the money I made from selling the company and put it all in real estate. So I bought uh, single family homes uh, all over middle Tennessee, which in, turns out in 2000, 13 i got lucky because that was a really good time to be buying up real estate yeah. so um so that did two things Th those those investments did well and also they, they're very illiquid I, you know you can't you can't you can't just screw that up you can't go like spend that money on a dumb investment it's locked up you know you can sell mm -hmm. property but it, it's a process you got to be really intentional about it so 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 did that real estate investments are doing okay and but now i'm like poor again because I, I don't all my money is 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 like tied up in 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 rental property and so i don't have a bunch of cash but i've got good investments and um that so 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 going through that and 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 like feeling secure again and and then and then like going through the process of selling the company and like that there it was a uh, very emotional period now now like who am i this was 15 years all i've ever done um i thought well i gotta do something else now but I don't want to do anything that hard again. And I also don't have a lot of like cash. Uh, so, so I <laughs> you're thought, like well, 33 years old, right? Yeah. 33. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and, and, and Still I thought, very well, young. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, well, um, I want to see if I can do a tech company uh, because, uh, you know, that looks cool. And, you know, it looks, seems to be a lot easier than, than what I just spent, you know, 15 years doing. Um, so I'm going to try to do that. And, and I read a, I read an article in Inc. Magazine about the founders of Airbnb and what they had built, you know, the three of them. And, and I kind of saw what, what Uber was doing. And, and I, man, I was like, man, how hard can that be? So I recruited two co-founders and I always had this idea that an app should exist for people that just need basic lawn care to, to order it because running the, my landscaping company, you know, we, we had 90 trucks going out every day. And so we were kind of visible in, in the, in our local marketplace and we no longer did residential lawn care. It just wasn't profitable for us, but we would still get 20, 30, 40 calls a all day, all day long. People, Hey, will you come mow my yard? Will you come mow my yard? And we had a, va- a value uh, in running that business to always try to be helpful no matter what. Um, if we can't serve a customer, we're going to try to help them, uh, get somewhere where they can. And, and, uh, so we would keep a list of names and phone numbers by the phone and we say, you know, we don't, but you might try, uh, check out Chuck's lawn care, uh, you know, and, and, and all of these others. And, and so we would give them like, uh, five recommendations and they said, Oh, well, thank you. And, you know, and, and we would do that all day long. And then what would happen is they would call us back the next day. Hey, I called all those people. And, uh, none of them called me back. Okay. Nothing. Well, here's, here, here's five more. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, and then so you, you, then, they, then they would call, call back again and say, like, well, I called this guy and he stood me up. And, uh, and so it just, just, it's like no good deed goes unpunished. It was like our phone was ringing off the hook all day long with being basically a referral network for small care, small lawn care companies that maybe were just getting started that we knew or, or what have you. And, and so, I just saw that. I saw that was a problem. It needed to be solved. And I thought, man, this is just going to be like lightning in a bottle and started the business and spent, uh, the first thing we did was we spent nine months with a development shop in Nashville, Tennessee, telling them the vision, telling them, you know, this is how we think it should work. Um, you know, we, we've made some sketches on what the screen should look like, and this is kind of our idea. And so it took them about a year and they built it and we spent what year is this? Uh, two, 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 uh, this would be 2013. 13, uh, okay. Uh, sold the business. No, sold the business in 13. So this would be late 13, early 14. Okay. Um, and so you're working with this shop, working with their designers. Boy, yeah. That's a, that's a yeah, painful yeah. process. I got to- Yeah. Oh, and 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 like just <laughs> it's like exciting, pin, but not yeah. on, on pins and needles because this is this is this is my my baby, my idea. You know, this is like the culmination of of my life's work into like a vision. And uh, and spent one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars with these guys. That's what I start thinking. Like the more ideation you do, the more excited you get about your baby. They're just like right. ching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, because yeah, I do yeah. develop, so I understand. But yeah, been there. Yeah, you've got the scars. So so it's uh <laughs> it's, it's so we finally after damn near a year get this thing built, and we were we launch it. Uh, got got quotes quotation marks in the air. Launch it. And it's just dead on arrival. Like it doesn't have the features it needs. Total flop. It's buggy. You know, it's like it's it doesn't do kind of what you want it to do. It kind of does, but it really missed the mark. And and it, you know, and then it was crickets. Couldn't get anybody to even use the damn thing. And I I was confronted with the reality. I was like, holy crap! 
this is going to be 10 times harder than building the landscaping business from scratch. And I thought this, this sucks all over again. This is no different than <laughs> this is literally going to be no different than when I was, uh, doing sales calls while mowing yards. Uh, this is going to be no different than rain damage. Totally. Yeah, this is no <laughs> different than like coming home, smelling like grass every day, you know, and gasoline. Um, this is going to be just as hard as that. It's, it's building it from scratch, hand, you know, ground and pound. And I thought, well, you know, how bad, you know, how bad do you want this? How bad do you want to do this? Because, because at that point I realized we we're going to start all over again. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, I made a decision that from that moment forward, no matter what, I was just going to be working on my best idea. And because I, I didn't want to like, not, I didn't want to not work. I didn't want to go work for somebody else. And I, I just wanted a project. I wanted a vision and I thought, well, okay. So from now on, I'm just going to work on my best idea. And fortunately I'm not terribly uh, creative or, 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 or I don't have many good ideas. And so this is the best idea <laughs> I've it? had. Yeah. It's the best idea I've had in like 15 years. And, and so, and it's not even that great of an idea as it turns out, cause it's really hard to, 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 to get, to get it to take off. And so, uh, and so I thought, well, let's just, let's just work on this every day until I don't want to work on it anymore. And let's just set some very small goals and inch our way to it. And so we set a goal that by any means necessary, we had to get a hundred people to just use that crappy app that, that we had spent almost 200 grand building. And so the first thing my co-founders and I did, we passed out flyers. So here I am starting all over again, you know, hoofing it around Nashville, Tennessee, passing out door hangers to get people <laughs> to try to use this thing. And we were able to hustle up a hundred people, Cause I wanted to, I wanted to figure out if it was worth spending five years on yeah, this idea. Stress test it. Yeah. yeah. And, and validate the idea and yeah. Focus group, and, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and so, um, we, we, we hustled up a hundred people to try this crappy buggy app and we would meet with them after they used it. And, 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 you know, Starbucks kitchen counters, you know, you name it, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, wherever we would meet them to just ask them, okay, well, you know, what was your experience using it? What did you hope it would do? And every single time, like they were pissed off at us and they were disappointed because it didn't work. The law, the guy didn't show up. The prices were too high. Uh, it just technically didn't work. Um, they didn't get any bids, um, you know, whatever, but they never said, I don't need this. They were, they were disappointed. It didn't work because they needed it. Because they needed it. They, they wanted it. And, and, um, and, and so that was enough for us. That's enough validation. It's like, well, if it did work, um, how, how, you know, how awesome would that be? You know? And, and, and so we, we began to dissect all the things that were wrong with it. And we began to learn that actually, you know, the, the, the ideal customer for this thing is, is not the person that lives in the, the million dollar plus homes, it's the person that lives in the in the hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollar homes that spends about you know eight hundred dollars a year on lawn care. It's not the person that spends three or four thousand dollars a year on lawn care. It's the person that spends you know five hundred to a thousand dollars a year. You know every other week mowings. Like that's the person who we need to be going after. And then we got to figure out a way to make 
it profitable for service providers to mm-hmm. roll through those stops and and make money doing it because if they're not making money doing it they don't love it we don't have a product to to tee up to consumers well and typically the the per- person that wants the every other week or the if you can't get here tomorrow i don't want you person they're the ones that all of the other companies in town have already run through that's right and rejected them <laughs> or, yep. or they just reject them on the phone when they say that I only yep. want every other week. I'm sorry, man. We just don't do that. That's right. Which is understandable. So, so you're so you've now found a segment of the market that's unserved. That's right. Um, whether they're the most desirable customer or not doesn't matter. You're going to find a way to fit in with that customer. That's so right. That's, that's kind of the idea. And find the business that is willing to work with them because you have to have a different business model to work with them. So, so exactly. I, I can see how you're solving in real time. I'm kind of right there with you on that. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And 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 not only that, figure out a way to make it profitable. For, mm-hmm. for service providers to roll through you know a hundred of these in a week and and make money doing it because if, if they can't then there then there is no solution um there is no there is no push a button get it done and so getting that kind of what they call a, a beachhead market um which is just establishing okay and 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 in this one metro this one use case we'll use the product now let's build a solution for it is how we just slowly inched our way to something that worked for both buyers and sellers. All the while trying to figure that out, we had to learn how to code. We had to learn how to build software. So taking every damn course we could on YouTube, you know, every every course we could on on online coding schools. My my co- co-founder went to a software boot camp, and w- over about a year year and a half, two years, we were able to learn how to code, learn how to build software while figuring out the market, what they wanted, what they needed, and build a solution, this time organically ourselves. Everything wow. that we spent That's spent with the Yeah, it sucked. And everything that we spent with the dev shop was scrapped, wasted. The only thing we kept was the logo. And and uh and so we had to start all over again. The only thing we got out of them was at least we had something to to validate the idea with. So almost like a prototype essentially uh something to validate the idea. And then, and then to keep out there in the market while we were learning and building the, the second uh, version. Meanwhile, the second version, at least this time, is being built with our hands and also being built in the feedback that we're getting from these you know, handful of people using it. Now, who is and, the we? You keep saying we. It's you, your co-founders. Did you hire engineers? You said you learned to code, which, wow, that's way more than I would ever have the patience to do. But who's we at this time? So, so it's me and two guys that I knew from childhood, uh, you know, essentially is, is who I started the business with the guys I played uh, soccer with and went to college with. And I knew, you know, in picking co-founders, I, you know, it's, it's kind of tricky. It's like, it's more serious than who you decide to marry because totally agree. it's, it's a lot easier to, to get a divorce than it is to unwind a, a, a business partnership. Um, and you're going to probably spend more time with your, your co-founder than you are your, your actual spouse. And, and so, and, and especially if the business is successful. And so I had to, I had to like, think about that, you know, who, who I wanted to spend 10 years in the trenches with. And I got lucky. I, I, I picked two guys that, that were just as like, they had a chip on their shoulder. Like I did, they, they wanted more out of life than, than they were getting. And, and, uh, the business could be the vehicle for that. And not, but none of us, like, ideally you get a hacker and a hustler, um, when you're starting a tech product, we were three, three hustlers. None of us knew any of the technical mm-hmm. side. So we had to learn, you know, everything from top to bottom. So I, I became the, the world's worst 
front end engineer. My co-founder um, became a decent back end engineer, and and uh, and then my other co-founder learned product, like the how to architect and build the the screens mm-hmm. and the user experience stuff like that. So, so the three of us became like just dangerous enough to 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 do this ourselves, and then that was it for like four years. We were doing everything from from blog posts to to SEO to customer support to writing code, fixing bugs, um, educating vendors how to use it. Because in, in in those days, it was very hand to hand combat. Mm-hmm. And so, and and then little by little, we were able to build out a team around us. Now today, we're forty seven people um, use it. You know, the, the building the app and marketing the app. And thirty-two thousand uh, lawn care services across the country use it. Wow! And okay. Three hundred thousand homeowners using it every day to to order lawn mowing services. So that is definitely a 10, 12 year overnight success. Then. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it, it and it there was no. People tell me, well, when did it really take off? People ask me, when yeah, did it really just take off? Yeah, it, it, and it, there was no like hockey stick moment for us. Whereas, like, okay. we did this one thing, and then boom. Uh, it was, it was a, I mean, we have made just 1% improvements that, that compound over time. They don't add up like these little things don't add up. They compound and, and it's just been a, a, a game of inches from w- where we started to where we've gotten today. There has not been one move on the chessboard that's won it for us. And it still really is still really is day one. You know, we, we've got a long way to go. We need to be to a hundred million dollars a year in revenue and uh, in a million users, uh, before we're in the same name as an Uber or a Instacart or a DoorDash or something like that. Mm-hmm. So now that you are, but I mean, you got to be feeling more comfortable now that you're at a place where you're not playing defense necessarily. You're, I mean, I'm sure you're learning every day, but now it's really more about market expansion, right? Is that kind of where you're at now is in that growth phase? Yeah, I think every one of these businesses goes through three phases. So there's the, the startup, the grow up and the scale up. And so the startup is, you know, you got an idea and you're trying to figure out if people will use it and you, you cobble together an MVP or, um, or, a or a, 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 a prototype or something like that. MVP, minimal viable product. Mm-hmm. And so you get that out there. And, and so you try to validate if this is a good idea or not. And then maybe you try to get a thousand dollars a month in revenue or something. That's a, that's the startup phase. And then the grow up is like from that point to, Okay, now I got an actual business. You know, I I I I'm making money. Um, I'm building out a team. I've got a little bit of a, a little bit of organization. Built that little org chart, and and I have an actual business here. I mean, we're growing up, and maybe maybe that's getting you to like a million or or five million a year in revenue. Maybe even up to ten. I don't know. And then after that is the scale up. It's okay. Now we're We've got market pull. the The market is pulling this from us, and we're going to scale this out to to every city, maybe every country, um, and and beyond, and nine figures and beyond. And so, uh, right now, we're between the grow up and the scale up phase. Mm-hmm. And I and I've been through the startup and grow up twice. Uh, this is my second lap. I've never done. A, I've never scaled a nine figure business. So we may find out that I suck at it, and and, and we have to put in a professional CEO or sell the business or something. But we're going to keep doing it. And, you know, so long as I'm having fun and, and and I'm decent at it. That's awesome. So I want to talk about, I mean, congratulations where it's at. It's for not knowing development or any, not really having an internet type business before. It's really impressive what you've done. Well, so thank that's you. Incredible. I, I appreciate it. I was looking so I did, I go through your desktop site. I didn't look at the, the app, but I went through the desktop site and, um, 
I have some ideas. I wanted to ask, I'm going to pretend I'm a new landscaping business or a new, new uh, uh, lawn mowing business. So I want to sign up as a vendor. So I, I saw you have a vendor page. What type of uh, credentials do I need to have? What type of vetting do you do for your potential contractors that want to sign up? Because there's some listening. I have a lot of guys right now that started as DIYers that love DIY lawn care and they love it so much. They're like, oh, I'm going to start doing some lawns on the weekend. We have a lot of firemen that do it on their days off, right? And a lot of those people end up doing full time. So if I'm one of those guys, it's like, yeah, I would like to try this. I'd like to maybe build, get some customers from this. How, what, what type of vetting do they need and, and how does that, that look? Yeah, that, that's a really, really, really good question because your bigger, your uh, Green Pal is a good fit for the smaller service provider. The guy or gal, we've got a lot of female led business owners on our platform that do very well, um, is single operator, maybe a helper. Uh, 10 customers a week, maybe on up to uh, you know 50 a week is the sweet spot. Now, we've got several vendors doing millions of dollars a year on the platform. Um, but the, the, the ideal uh, vendor is that smaller owner-operator and part-timer that uh, doesn't want to deal with all the, the headache of setting up systems and processes and marketing and, and all of this back office stuff. And so they can just go get the customers they want very easily and then get paid within 24 hours of getting the work done and not have to do bookkeeping, accounts receivable, all that stuff. So that that is the ideal customer segment for us. So they, they go on the GreenPal, they put in their address, they upload some photos of their equipment. Um, and if we're accepting vendors in that area, usually they're instantly on uh, accepted onto the platform. And so that takes about a minute. There is no like background uh, check or anything like that. We don't go through, we don't do any of that because we are not uh, in the, in like Uber is, is in the business of transportation. Um, we are not in the business of lawn care. We are in the business of giving vendors a way to, to put their business out there to get hired and booked and, and to accumulate re uh, reviews and accumulate statistics about their business and have a profile to where they can get booked from their customers because, because we don't want to, get in the middle of that relationship between lawn care pros and their customers. And so we don't, we don't subject vendors to a, a, a rigorous background process or anything like that. Now, when they come on, they can, they can then uh, start bidding on work. If you bid on, if you bid on jobs in your area and win some, then you have to connect up your bank. Uh, and then you have to go uh, upload your ID because we do want to verify that you are who you say you are and, and, uh, and, and get all of that linked up. And then you can start winning work and getting paid, you know, the same day that you do the work. So it's, yeah, it's, so it's actually, like a W9. I have to show at least that that's kind right. of stuff, right? That's right. You're sending money. Yeah. That's okay. right. That's right. And so, so it's kind of a gradual process. So we don't want you to spend an hour trying to sign up for this thing and then find out it's not a good fit for your business or, or find out that, you know, uh, that, that, that the, the, the jobs aren't a good fit for your routes or something like that. So we let you kind of gradually, uh, get onto the platform, figure out if, if it's a good fit. And then if it is, then you can link up your, your tax information, your banking information, your ID and all of that. Now with, uh, call, keeping with the Uber idea, right? So with Uber, it's, um, how do I say it? it's like I call and I could get any driver at any time to my house to pick me up is, is there a way that with your service, if I found a land, uh, if I'm now a customer and I'm using the service and I find a guy that mows my lawn, I like him. Can I continually request him or can he become my, my guy or girl? How does that work? Yeah. Recurring wise that way for the Great customer question. and the landscaper. Great question. So 
you want the same person every single week, right? I mean, that's pretty, pretty basic. Like that's one of the things that most, uh, everybody got wrong about the Uber for X, uh, ideas that, that, that were getting funded in the 2015, 16 era. Um, you know, the Uber, there was like a lot of Uber for home cleaning and other Uber for lawn care ideas that raised hundreds of millions of dollars and, and all went out of business because they were trying to apply the Uber model where they thought, well, they didn't really know that, that, that there, there's a relationship formed between homeowner and service provider. And they thought, well, it doesn't matter who we send out, you know, as long as it gets done. And that's not how it works. And so it's our job to quickly uh, get the homeowner introduced to four or five options, get them matched with somebody uh, based on price and availability and fit. Um, and then after that uh, first service goes well, uh, easily get them to book every week, every other week, or to every 10 days with them for the whole season. A homeowner cannot use the service for single shots uh, throughout the season. Because oh, they it, can't. It, okay. it, no, it does not work that way. And that's one thing that okay. pisses off a lot of consumers using it because, you know, they, they come to the, to the starting block thinking that, oh, uh, I can just order, I can just let it grow every three okay. weeks and just order it for tomorrow every day. And when we first started, uh, that was not our vision, but people tried to use it that way. So we quickly had to build in controls where it's like, okay, you can use it. You can get a round of quotes, hire somebody. If that doesn't work, you can use it one more time, get another round of quotes. And then if that doesn't work, then maybe it's not a good fit for the consumer. Maybe you should go back to Craigslist or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, okay. and so yeah, that's just that lowest tier customer now. That's, that's right. what that is. It's like, you're like, nah, and we're not for you. We sideline probably 30% of, of consumers that, that come onto the platform because it's just not a good fit for them. You know, they, maybe they only want to, Maybe they maybe their grandson mows it, you know, uh, you know, every other week or sporadically, and they want to they they have they want to order somebody, you know, like here and there, and we're just not a good fit for that because that's not the way the business works. Now, yeah, I was thinking like for vacation mows, like if somebody goes on vacation, but I get it, it doesn't like, yeah, it totally makes yeah. sense. And 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 people do use it that way once a year. Yeah, they get there one time. That's yeah. right. Yeah, cuz we let them get quotes once a year. And so and so yeah, that's fine. You want to use it one time, but we don't want to 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 let homeowners take it abuse the system to to use it, you know, uh 20 days, 36 days and so on and 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 just use it sporadically cuz they will do that. There's a lot of there's a there's a lot of bottom oh, yeah. feeders that will do that. And so we have to sideline them and then even to the extent of of what we, you know what they would do when we were first getting started you know now we have 300,000 customers but back when we had 1000 a common problem we would deal with is well then they would create multiple accounts <laughs> like and, eBay and, oh, <laughs> eBay sellers I mean, and crazy yes, yeah they would create multiple accounts and this happened all the time where, yeah, like bro just go mow your own lawn it's easier yeah, than doing all this <laughs> yeah they would create multiple accounts so then we had to build in controls well now you can only have one account per physical address well, then they would they would go in and they would slightly alter the address and and make it a little different or put a B on the end. So we had to build in controls to find that. So we spent a lot of time uh, sidelining bottom feeders on both sides of the platform because there's a lot of there's a yeah. lot of uh, vendors that aren't good fit for it too. So mm -hmm. making sure the experience is matching people with good intentions that wanna we we want the consumer that you know the single working mom that that just wants to spend five, $600 a year on lawn mowing and nothing else doesn't need a private gardener. Doesn't need it every week. We want to match that with a service provider that, you know, wants to do 50, a hundred a week or 10 a week. And just wants to make money doing it. 
And and a lot mm-hmm. of times, if you can put together, if you're a small service provider and you and and you you know you just want to put together a hundred people that you you mow for every week, your your basic cuts are are more usually more profitable with less headache. You don't get the Karens that come out and and want to want to complain about every blade of grass or or whatever. You don't get right. the 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 people that 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 really waste your time with with unreasonable demands that your higher end clientele does. You know, it's just basic. You know, you get in, you get out. It's fifteen minutes, and you you got you 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 make forty five bucks, and and you're on to the next one. That's the sweet spot that that we match with with consumer mm-hmm. and 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 vendor. Well, and the way I'm thinking about it too is if I'm a, I'll just say if I'm a young kid or a young or a, somebody looking to do something on the side. This saves me of having to get QuickBooks because I'm assuming you're going to do all my accounting for me. Uh, I don't have to do any marketing because you've done that. That's why you have customers for me. Uh, I don't have to collect money, which is the other big deal. I don't have to have routing software because you're doing that. I'm assuming That's right. too. like you're doing, you're kind of, I mean, if I really was to break this down, you could almost be, you're a marketing agency, essentially. Like if I went to a marketing agency and said, I want to run $500 a month in Google AdWords to get customers that way. I want you to set up my Google, my business or my local or whatever the heck they call it nowadays. I'm going to do all these things. And then you're going to have software for me and you're going to do all, and you're going to have reports for me and you're going to have route all that stuff. I would pay this big lump sum to a marketing agency when really your platform is all of that kind of built in, isn't it? That's exactly right. There's a hundred things we do for vendors, for long, long pros, but the two or three that really matter is can you get me all the customers I want in the zip codes that I'm working? And can you get me paid quick? Can you get me paid? Because because we get a credit card up front, whereas most people won't give a credit card over the phone. They've never somebody they've ever done business with. And, or I have and, software to deal with it because I have that's right. compliance issues and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you've got, you know, maybe even if you, you want to get somebody to Venmo or Cash App you, you still got to like hassle them and like get them to do it. And so the, the, the lawn guy is usually the last person to get paid in the stack of household bills, especially for, you know, your, your, your folks that are looking for basic service, which is, which is kind of the bread and butter. And, and so the two that really matter is, can you get me all the business I want in the, in the, in the areas of town I want to service? And can you get me paid quick? And then the third is, can you organize it all in one place? The routing, where am I supposed to be tomorrow? Uh, and, and can you can you organize this in such a way where I can make money doing it? Because even if you could solve the first two on your own, and and everybody, you know, 90, 90% of this industry runs offline. But so let's say you solve the first two on your own. Now you got to figure out how to make money doing it. Now you got to figure out how to organize it in such a way to where it's profitable. And so yeah. so those 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 are the three main important things. And then from there, you know, there, there's there's probably. 50 other things that 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 are also value adds but the, the the three that matter is can you get me customers get me paid and organize it in a way where I can make money yeah it's like a that's the the key term route density you know that's if right. I'm out leaving door hangers I can't control who's going to call me so every new business when they start they're serving people all over town it's not residential service they're all over town right because that's just who called them they had to blanket these large areas with that's you right. I can actually control my route density from the beginning and <laughs> and get myself all in one neighborhood if I really wanted to. And that's your job is to get enough users in there so that I can do that. That's and right. I can see how this these are those compounding uh, changes or compounding ads. So I, I if, like the, the, the way you're going with that. If we don't solve that problem, because it has to start there. And if we don't solve that problem, then there is no, there is no solution to offer consumers. 
And so that's where a lot of Uber for X ideas crashed and burned. They didn't start with the service provider, build a, 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 a solution that would enable them, want make them want to use it every single day and want to port their whole business onto it. And, and so then they didn't have the, the Uber-like experience for consumers to, to order these service providers, you know, off the shelf, like, an, like on Amazon or something like that. Mm-hmm. So the, there are a couple um, potential uh, challenges. I guess I was going to ask, I was looking at your website and it keeps showing you have like the, the thing that goes, so-and-so just signed up in Nashville, Tennessee, and then so-and-so just signed up in Tampa. And it's usually like $34. So those are telling me those are really small lawns. Um, of the $34, about how much of that goes to the contractor? So the fee to use GreenPal is anywhere between 5 and 10%, depending on how much uh, volume you're doing through the platform. Uh, st- starts off uh, high and it works its way down low as you do more volume through the platform. So it's a pretty small fee. You know, other, other, uh, there's, there's two or three other players that aren't exactly like us, but but there's one called Lawn Starter and another one called Lawn Love, which are now the same company. They they consolidated, and they take about thirty percent. Uh, you know, anyway, well, maybe not that high. I think I think they're between fifteen and twenty five. So they're more expensive, but they uh, offer more in, in in the way of uh, they are the 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 lawn care company servicing the customer, and they're just subcontracting it to you. So a oh, lot of times different. it. Yeah, it's different. So a lot of times if there's customer support issues or things like that, they do a lot more heavy lifting uh, as far as that's concerned. So if that's a better fit for what somebody's looking for, they might want to go that route. Our our model is, look, we don't want to be in the business of customer support for for these homeowners. We don't want to we don't want to send you back out if you didn't blow the back patio off. Um, you know, that's between y'all. We just help you get uh, matched and help you get paid and keep it all organized for the for the lifetime of that relationship, and so it's a little bit different. Um, but so that's why the fee is a lot smaller. Yeah, and it makes sense. Like if I was to look at a P and L of any lawn care business, ten percent to be spent on marketing and software for routing and things like that is not overly aggressive. I mean, it's it's well within what somebody would expect to pay. It's just hard to see that, you know, line by line or side by side. But it is. It makes sense. And we encourage service providers to include it on their price. Uh, and so we, we give them a breakdown. It's like, look, here's, here's what you're making, you know, adjust your bidding accordingly. Because what well, one thing we learned in the early days of this, because I, I started, you know, we started this thing and I, I spent 15 years as a contractor. Every contractor gets jaded that, uh, oh, it's a race to the bottom. Uh, all people care yeah. about is price and, 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 and that's all people care about is, is how cheap they can get this done. So that's the mindset I started when we started, uh, started with, when we started green pal. So all the marketing, all the, all the way we oriented the platform was around the cheapest way to get your grass cut. And I, you know, talking to the first hundred customers, we began to understand that actually, no, they just wanted the guy to show up on Thursday when he was supposed to. That's all they cared about. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they didn't want the cheapest solution. They just wanted somebody who was reliable. And, and, uh, and so, so we began to change the copy, change how we were positioning it from the cheapest way to get your grass cut to book lawn care service this week by somebody who won't ghost you. I actually did better with than uh, the cheapest lawn care in Nashville or yeah. whatever. And, and, uh, or, or, you know, the case of the disappearing lawn guy is very real. So we, then we begin to understand that that's actually the problem we're solving. And, uh, and, and 
And so educating contractors that, no, you don't have to be the cheapest, but you do need to be reliable. And we score that. Uh, so you you have a reliability rating uh, on the platform. And if you show up on the day you're supposed to, your rating goes up. If you don't or, or defer it three or four days, your rating goes down. And that affects how how uh, how 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 you are presented with opportunities it affects your your win rate for new business and uh, it affects how much money you can make on the platform so if you're reliable you can you can charge more. and yeah, it so, shows yeah that makes sense it shows right, so, why it's almost like the hardest way to differentiate I could be the best guy in town but it's really hard to differentiate your platform differentiates for me because of I guess reviews or because of those scores it says hey this guy's been here for five years his scores are the top. So That's he right. must be the best. I would expect to pay a little more for him. You're validating the difference that I'm making. That's exactly right. It's a place for all of those signals about your business, act how you run your business to accumulate. And then you can present those in front of somebody who wants to buy services from you. There's no other place where this stuff accumulates because nobody else is able to measure these things about your business. So if you are reliable, if people do book you for a second mowing, that's another signal that we measure how often does somebody book you for a second mowing? If nobody's booking you for a second mowing, you must not be doing a very good job. And so then you're demoted on the platform. So mm. if you run a good business, uh, you accelerate and, and do better on the platform. If you just flat out aren't running a good business, then you are demoted and eventually uh, expelled from the platform. We, our system has to expel the, 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 the low-end service providers who don't show up on time, never get booked again. Um, and that's, the, that's a way of... of uh, in enabling consumers to sidestep these bad experiences. Well, and that keeps your reputation too. I mean, you guys have a reputation online. Ultimately, it does come back to you in That's some right. way. So you got to keep that going. So overall, and I, I see all the positives here, but one challenge, I mean, what if I decided as a business owner that I wanted to work with these customers outside of your platform? Have I signed something that doesn't allow me to do that? Yeah. The the So first off, we don't try to govern that with a heavy hand we don't we don't uh we look at it from the bottom up so we have to build something good enough to where you want to actually bring people onto the platform you don't want to do it the old way anymore so it's kind of like the, the gold standard of this would be riding in an uber and the uber driver stopping short of the airport and all, t getting off on the shoulder and turning around and saying hey um cancel on the app and you can pay me cash and we can both save a dollar fifty um you would never do that. And so that's that's kind of that's kind of the way we we try to orient ourselves with GreenPal and 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 drive towards just that no-brainer that it just makes better sense to do it on the platform than off because the fees are a couple of bucks per transaction. Mm -hmm. Um so that's step 1, building something that vendors want to use. And the other thing is is if if we're only giving you one customer a week or or two a month then you know it's it's not core to your business and 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 maybe it's actually a hassle so so driving enough business to where next thing you know you've got 30 40 50 on greenpal and maybe two or three on pen and pad and you don't want to chase those anymore and, and a lot of our vendors bring those on so that's, that, how we, ultimate, ultimate that's how we ultimate that's how we sell now now if if and we do have this happen where uh where a, a service provider just doesn't know or it's not a good fit for them, they'll, they'll say, hey, just cash at me directly. And when that happens, it is a violation of, of, of the terms that they sign when they sign up and we have to expel them from the platform. And, and unfortunately, it does happen every now and then, but we don't, we don't look at that as, okay, well, we caught somebody doing that. We look at it and say, okay, well, 
why did that happen? Why was it uh, not a good fit for them? And let's try to solve for those. Yeah. And I see I, my challenge would be, and I'm older, right? So I would, my thought would be, we've talked about acquisition a few times on here. Like if I built a giant business using your platform and in 10 years, I've got a lot of customers I'm dealing with. I don't ultimately own those. You do. So I don't really have a way to sell my business at that point. That's the only, like the only drawback I would think. It's a good, it's a good nuance. Cause we do have, we do have uh, several vendors doing over a million dollars a year on the platform. Actually, the relationship is between uh, the the service provider and their customer. If you want to take them and, and port them over somewhere else, let's say you got 300 on there, you are more than able to do that. There's nothing that you sign okay. stopping you from doing that. Um, now, now the the thing is, it's going to be a pain in the ass because now you have you have to uh, you 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 have to contact every one of them and get a payment method from every one of them. You have to put them on some kind of other system. So it is possible that you could do that if you wanted to. And, and we've had businesses get sold uh, that, that, that are running through GreenPal. And so the two or three times that's happened, you, you basically just change the login. And, and so that does happen. Um, but the activity that occurs on the platform is, you know, is mainly the smaller service providers that are doing 20, 30 a week. Um, your, your, your big guys that, that are wanting to do multiple crews and things like that uh, are usually not a good fit for the platform. Yeah. Do you have any commercial on there or is it all residential right now? Very little single, maybe, maybe single digit percentages of commercial. And, and it's, and it's like, uh, you know, I use green pal for my house and now I'm going to use it for my dentist's office, things like that. Oh, that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. So, but, 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 you know, you wouldn't think that the commercial landscaping business and the residential are so vastly different, but they really are. I mean, it's yeah. almost two different businesses. Completely. So overall, what's the, what's your next big growth cities that you're, I mean, it looks like you're really big in the South. That's where you started pretty big in Florida, which is cool. You're around market. Um, but where's your next expansion going? Where are you looking to go to next? So every uh, city in the United States with over 20,000 people, you can order a lawn mowing service on GreenPal. Now, the the distribution of of, of where where our saturated markets are is is follows like uh, what they call the power law, which is which is uh, 10% of the cities drive 90% of the revenue and activity on our platform. So it's our job to figure out, okay, well, well why is that? Why, why are things going so well in Chicago, Atlanta, Tampa, Nashville, uh, Houston, St. Louis? Those are big markets for, for us, but we only have a handful of customers in Seattle or a handful of customers in L.A. Uh, we, have, we have more customers in Knoxville, Tennessee than we do in New York City. And why is that? And, and so figuring out the dynamics of, of why that is and, and, and actually you look at this isn't this isn't a hundred cities that we service. It's actually a hundred small businesses because every one of these cities is a network and uh, that we have to match. We have to get the right density of buyers and sellers uh, to, to interact with each other, to get the flywheel to kick off in every one of those cities. So that's an interesting problem that is, that is difficult to solve. And that's what we're working on now. You know, we're, we're getting to a hundred driving to a hundred million dollars a year in revenue is, is figuring out how to, how to flip that 90, 10, uh, distribution and in, into something like 50, 50. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, do you have a plan? Like if you're going to blitz a new city or you got, I mean, I noticed I looked at your website, you're really good with the lawn care near me type keywords and stuff, uh, by city. So your SEO looks pretty solid, but are you, do you guys do paid search campaigns in cities or do you have anything like that driving people to the website or is it all organic? 
Very little, all organic. Uh, and because we take so little on on the transaction that the lifetime value of, of, of a consumer coming onto the platform is not that much for us. So we can't go yeah. pay $300 to acquire a, a homeowner to yeah, tee $5 up. A click. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, can't, can't do that. And so we have to uh, acquire consumers and demand uh, and traffic organically through content, SEO, um, PR, things like that, getting people to, to understand that this is actually an easier solution than, than, uh, than doing it the old way. And there's a saying that, you know, first time founders worry about product, second time founders worry about distribution. And, and so the, what that, you know, that's something that I've learned the hard way that it's actually easier to build and invent a product than it is to get people to use it. Um, that's the hard problem to solve is getting it in the hands of, of people to try it out, uh, at a price that you can afford to spend. And, uh, and so that's, that's, that's the problem that we have to solve is, is figuring out, okay, well, how do we get more people in these cities to try it out? And, and is it through referral networks inside of the app? Is it through, you know, like, like, uh, refer your neighbors and get $5. Is it more SEO? Is it more, is it experimenting with some paid ads, things like that? Um, and then also the strategy of don't worry about those cities, just double down on the ones that, that are working. Cause you can maybe get more transactions out of a city that, that is doing well versus trying to kickstart a uh, Bozeman, yeah. Montana. So, so, so experimenting and figuring out, you know, how to, how to apply your firepower in the best ways is, is, is what we're going through now. Bozeman would be I, my business partner. He doesn't live there now. He lives at Kalispell, but if Bozeman would be a good town for you. It's yeah. huge now. Everybody from yeah. California moved there and they all have money. It's expensive now. Yeah, I, it is. I drove through there uh, on a road trip out west and just stumbled through. I was like, oh, this, this will be a cool little uh, town I heard about once 20 years ago. And it's like a big city and 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 uh, and bougie and expensive. I was like, this is not what I expected. <laughs> That's the show Yellowstone did that. People will say the show Yellowstone. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Brian. That's all the que- I mean, I I love the I love the business model. Like I said, I got to be honest with you. When he first reached out, I thought I was a little skeptical. I thought the race to the bottom idea, but I I see now you've you just identified a a, a segment of buyers that are literally unserviced, and you're servicing them, and you're finding contractors that can make it profitable for them, and that's that's a need, and so you're filling a need. That's why I think you're going to be even more successful because you've you've gone after something that no one wanted to. Let's face it, a lot of those every other week customers. Nobody wanted them ever. So That's you're right. like, hey, we want you. We'll help you out. That's so. right. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, saying that, and, and and I understand why that that would be a you know. Listen, air, contractors have just been burned by, you know, you name it, the home advisors of the world, the Angie's list of the world, by the of the world, the thumbtacks. Not that there's anything wrong with those platforms. That they've done a hell of a job at what they do, but but a lot of them, a lot of contractors have had bad experiences with those platforms. So we have to we have to break through that noise. Deal with that. Yeah. The reality is at the end of the day, if vendors, lawn care services, contractors, lawn pros don't make money and don't have prosperity on our platform, we don't have a, we don't have a business because everything, you know, we live and die by their livelihood and and how well they're doing and if they're prospering. So that's like the one thing we solved for. We started with that and then built up, built up from there. That's awesome. We're, uh, I mean, I'll give the website and everything in the, uh, in the description, but tell people uh, where they should go if they want to sign up as a customer or as a, a vendor. Yeah. Just go to greenpal.com. If you're a homeowner, just click the big orange button on greenpal.com. If not, just, if you're a, a pro, just scroll down to the bottom and click apply as a vendor. And if we're accepting new vendors in your area, you get signed up pretty quick. 
Awesome. I'll leave the links down in the description below, Brian. I look forward to uh, seeing you guys grow and I look forward to following up with you again in, uh, and soon and just uh, seeing where things have gone. Congratulations, man. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you. So you guys, you can see I was kind of skeptical at first and I'll be honest with you when I was researching the platform. So what happened was they reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to interview Brian on your on your podcast? And I said, sure. What does he do? And so that's when they they sent all this stuff and I was able to look at Green Pal. And what I noticed was as I was watching it, that it looked like, how do I say this? I was afraid that it was going to be a revenue race to the bottom. See, the challenge that you have, and I don't talk to lawn pros much, but you know, I did spend a lot of time in the industry. And uh, so, and, and still even today, still speak with a lot of lawn professionals. So it's already a race to the bottom. Any lawn professional will tell you the thing they hate the most about the green business, green industry, as far as maintenance goes, especially residential maintenance, but also in, in commercial to a degree, but mostly in residential. The thing that they despise the most is that there's always going to be somebody that's going to do it dirt cheap. And you don't understand how can they be doing it that cheap? They must not be getting the proper insurance or licensure. They got a junky truck. They have crappy equipment. They don't do a good job. There's some reason why they can do it so cheap, right? They're fly by night. So what I start thinking is when I saw Green Pal, I'm like, man, this must be a place where it's a bunch of people like that just racing to the bottom. That was my thought. I'm just being honest with you, but you, you've you heard the podcast now and you can see, no, I understand what he's found is a place for customers that are sometimes unwanted. And you lawn pros, you know, that do residential properties, you don't want the every two weekers. You don't want them. I've seen the videos that you guys make where you say, yeah, maybe when I started out, I would take a few customers like that, the every two weekers, because I needed them. But once the business picked up and once your route density got to a point where you had people on an every week schedule, you start dropping your every two weekers, right? So what that is, is it's an underserved um, uh, underserved market segment. You you may not like them. Most people don't. And that's what my thought was too. I don't every two weeks. Come on, man. You got to be able to commit. But it doesn't matter. That's a market segment that apparently is pretty big because I believe and he didn't say this, but I believe that's a lot of what this is. These are the every two weekers, I believe. And I'm sure there's some every weekers in there. There's some, there's some, there's some exceptions to every rule. There's probably also people in Green Pal that are busy that don't want to wait for you to come to their house to see them or to sign a contract or whatever it is that you do. Right. So um they like the technology of it. If I'm a homeowner and I need to just get a lawn service quick and I can do it while I'm sitting at the bar on my phone assign myself up and have quotes while again I'm sitting at the bar I mean that's pretty convenient I don't know that a lot of lawn professionals out there can do that or have software that allows that to happen they got this person has to call you you have to call them back you have to schedule an appointment or maybe you do sell them over the phone right but I'm just saying I think that with GreenPal you can literally sign up in an app so it makes it easier even for the customers that aren't every two weekers they're the more busy person or the person that doesn't want to deal with a human there are a lot of people in this world y'all that don't want to talk to a human anymore when they do business. They just want it done. And so that is, an, again, I believe an underserved market. So just something to think about. Some I would be very interested to hear what your comments are below. Now, there's a lot of you I want to talk to in this audience, DIYers, that you have a side hustle due in lawns. I can think about uh, Justin the Lawn Whisperer, who's a fireman, uh, but he also has a side hustle where he does lawns. And he's a, I, I don't know if he even cuts anymore. I know he does fertilizing and stuff. So that's you can make a good side hustle that way. And, and I think for firemen, for example, lawns have been a good side hustle for many, many, many years. 
and because your your schedule, while it's not consi- uh, it's not always the same every week, it is consistent and predictable. So you can fit a lawn service into that. So, but I know there's a lot of others of you that want some sort of side hustle, and lawn care is it. Maybe signing up for Green Pal is a good idea for you. You're not going to make it your your full time gig. It's not you know you are a fireman, you are a, a police officer, you're a, a welder, you're a whatever you are. You 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 do things already, but you want that side hustle money because that's how I was. I always worked two or three jobs when I was a super young man, and uh, and so this is one of those jobs you want to work. GreenPal is probably a great place to pick up some extra revenue, knowing that they're going to handle all the booking, the accounting. They're going to collect the money for you, right? Which is the hardest part of lawn care. One of the hardest parts is collecting the money. Um, you're, so you're going to get paid. They're going to handle the tax, uh, implications for you. I mean, it's everything, right? Now you got to have a legit business. You can't be out collecting $10 bills, uh, for this. You gotta, you gotta go ahead and get yourself, uh, registered with your state, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that's, those are pretty simple things to do. And I think this could offer a viable side hustle, just like Uber does. And that brings us back around to Uber. Uber originally was all side hustle for most people, but then there was a few people that learned how to work these algorithms. I've seen guys with spreadsheets and Ubers where they know which types of areas they're going to at what times of the day to always stay busy and get the highest paying trips and such. And uh, I'm sure there's people that have figured this platform out in a similar way. Think about controlling route density too, because I think you can pretty much back to the side of the of of if you're going to be a uh, professional in there getting customers you can keep your route density super tight i don't know i could i could ramble on and on and on i just see a lot of positives here and i'm really glad i got to interview brian and um you know i, I hope that uh, his business continues to grow and serve again that that uh, serve that those people that uh, are in a segment that's just not currently being served by the way lawn care is done traditionally so with that i hope you guys enjoyed i hope you enjoyed this podcast hope you learned a little something i hope wherever you are the sun is shining on you and at some point in the next 24 hours you get to enjoy the mo with that i'm alan hayne the lawn care nut thank you so much for watching and i'll see you in the lawn